Welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined as always by my oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. Back from Cleveland. Here I am. And my middle brother, Matthew Kuhn. What time zone is Cleveland in? I feel like it's like... It wasn't that different. Is it jet lag a thing? One one time zone over? No? Oh, okay. Yeah. You are all right. We're... Calm down. Woo! It's been a <laughs> so, weekend. So we flew back to Nashville this morning, woke up uh, in Cleveland, flew back to Nashville. Most of us went to work. Well... I went to work, and uh, <laughs> and now and now we're back here recording a podcast, watching this Monday night game. So obviously a disappointing game. The Browns lost twenty to thirteen. Uh, had a chance to win it there at the end or tie the game, go into overtime, uh, but just couldn't make it happen. Baker Mayfield seemed uncomfortable. There are positives and negatives to take away. Positive: our defense played really, really well. You can't be dissatisfied with how our defense played. Uh, not against the Rams. Not at all holding them to 20 points when we didn't have any of our starters in the secondary and we were out Christian Kirksey. I mean, I don't think you could have asked for anything more. If we going into the game told us that we'd hold them to 20 points I'd and had three, forced three turnovers, I'd say, yeah, that is like a, a, that's a like recipe a for a W. Yeah. And um, we did a lot of things on defense. Uh, we said going into the game that we needed our defensive line to produce and have a lot of sacks. Um, which didn't really happen, but regardless, we still held the Rams in checks besides Cooper Cup. But they, they, we didn't send blitzes but one or two times, I think, the entire night. And we just relied on that front four to do their job, and they did their job. And they, when we did send blitzes, we got toasted. Yes, it wasn't a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we like held back in coverage for most of the night and were really solid all night. Particularly for some of those guys. I mean, basically everyone that was filling in in the secondary, aside from Jermaine Whitehead, was pretty pretty killer. I mean, TJ Carey in particular, and um, what's his face? Justin Burris. Justin Burris played a great game. Put well, Justin Burris in it, starting safety is fine with me. Yeah, Get yeah, Jermaine TJ, Whitehead. He should take Jermaine Whitehead's reps. TJ Carey had seven tackles uh, with his interception on top of that. Led the team in tackles, TJ Carey did. He gave up a few big receptions. He was playing soft on Brandon Cooks all night. Even right before that interception, there was one where I was like, oh, my gosh, come on. He had a few good pass breakups, too, even in, in addition to the, to the interception. Yeah. What was, what was Whitehead's issue in this game? Because there were multiple occasions where he was just multiple steps behind Cup, almost like he didn't know the coverage or he got sucked in on play action. And yeah. that might be the case. I mean, the Rams run play action the majority of the time. So I went back and watched the game today. On that touchdown that they had, that was Cooper Cup was absolutely wide open um, right in front of the dog pound. Um, Whitehead went to go. It was They were running a bunch formation, and Whitehead was lined up directly on top of him. Went to go jam him. Cooper Cup, like, he shuffled. Whiffed. He completely missed him. And, like, oh. he, he, like, glancing blow, and then he just couldn't catch up. Cooper Cup was gone because yeah. he was running, like, a – Across the field, he just couldn't. He, and I feel like that was one of the plays where we sent some pressure and there wasn't any help. It yeah. was basically man across the board. But Yeah, I mean, you, you're inside the red zone and you whiff when like you, that. When you're you go to jam somebody and you whiff, that's bad news. You, Every lost. single time. Every single time. Yeah, lost a step. Um, Cooper Cup tore us up the entire night. He had over 100 yards couple touchdowns. And then Mac Wilson tore him up. 
near near the end of the game, <laughs> yes. or Cooper Cup. Jared Goff was scrambling, and Cooper. Cooper Cup turned around. He's like, "Okay, I'm going to block for my quarterback." Nope. Mac Wilson was like, "I'm not going to worry about tackling the quarterback. I am going to demolish you." I thought so. From the angle where our seats were, I thought Mac Wilson might have an opportunity to go through Cooper Cup to tackle Jared Goff, which just would have been incredible. Like, just put Cooper Cup into Jared Goff's chest and put them both to the ground. He went right through him. He tore through him like wet tissue paper. Oh, so Mark, before we get into too many more details about like specifics of the game, I'm curious since you did go through and watch it. We saw it live, and personally, I love watching a game live so much more than watching it on TV. You get to see so much more. It's why we like seeing the coaches film. You get to see all the coverages and see everything that's going on. But when you're watching it live, the first time you take it in, you see all of that starting to take form. What stood out to you watching the game back? Like, Did anything jump out? Watching it through a second time? Well, last night when we were at the game, one of the things that I was most disappointed by was I just thought Baker was absolutely awful. I thought he was holding the ball too long. He was terrified in the pocket. He was constantly scrambling outright, uncomfortable. He never stepped up into the pocket and delivered throws. Uh, but re-watching the game, that wasn't exactly the truth. Yes. That was kind of later in the game yes. where we struggled with exactly. that. Yes, yeah. all the time, or late in the game, especially on that, drive that we were backed up into our own five-yard line. Baker was uncomfortable, and he was trying to scramble to the right when he didn't need to. That Clay Matthews sack didn't need to happen at all. Baker made that happen. But a lot of the time, the majority of the time, Baker was sitting in the pocket, and he was stepping up. And the interior three um, on our offensive line were defending Aaron Donald really well. Aaron Donald had that strip sack, I'm pretty sure. Um, He got or had that one sack. Um, it wasn't he, a strip. It yeah. wasn't a strip. He was getting in there over and over and over again. But we mitigated Aaron Donald really, really well. And I feel like the majority of the time, Baker was stepping up and he was delivering. We had some a lot more chunk plays than I thought. And our offense didn't look quite as inept um, as yeah. I felt the like The lasting it was taste we in there. your mouth was us needing to deliver a touchdown yes. and just looking lost. But Yeah, and I mean, that was the story. There was two different times where we got inside the five-yard line and we couldn't get in the end zone. I mean, at the end of the second half, we were right there, and we needed to get in the end zone. We ended up getting three points after that turnover. And then right there at the end of the game, we had four plays from the five-yard line, and we couldn't do a thing. Yeah, and the flip side, L.A. had the ball in the red zone and got stuck in, like, third and long, third and, like, 12. And there was two situations where they converted for a touchdown on, like, third and a, a lot. Yeah, and that makes all the difference. I mean, that's the game. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. Oh, one of the other things that I saw um, was on that whenever they got the false start, when they were right there, we stopped them on yes, the yes. quarterback sneak. Sheldon Richardson was standing there, and he did like a quick shuffle over to the right and clearly drew the right guard off. It was completely Sheldon Richardson all on his own, just a veteran move, uh, which was awesome to see that he, he forced that. Um, but, yeah, I, I wasn't quite as discouraged as I was whenever I was watching it live. Um, regardless, I mean, we got to get in the end zone on those plays. But. Yeah, we we have to execute when in pressure situations when it matters. We've got to do better in the red zone. We got to convert to touchdowns, and we also need to finish in the fourth quarter. This this is a similar kind of game script to what we saw in the Tennessee game, except we didn't just completely fall apart. But we were in this game. We were leading going into the fourth quarter. In, in this game. And we got outscored 10 to nothing in the fourth quarter, and we lost by seven. If, if we 
step our game up and are able to finish the game in the in the fourth quarter, we win this game. We also probably that's the same story with that Tennessee game. I, I whose I, fault is that? Like, wh- where is that coming from? Like, not that it's any one person's fault, but like, what is what's going on there? It's. I, I assume I I think it's got to be just kind of having a new offensive staff and new players and like gelling and just because you you see it with the the Rams right those players have all been in that system for what is it the third year now mm-hmm. like they if they get into a third and twelve they know what they're doing and they they're all comfortable doing it we don't always have that but I also think it's just kind of coaching and play calling and situational awareness like. For for all the things that I love about Freddie, like he, this was the third game that he's ever been the head coach with a with a brand new staff that he's put together, and this is their third game. Like, there's gonna be things that they just don't have like polished at this yeah. point. So this is the part that like does bother me, and I don't know. It's just so hard to tell. like. We know so little about really what it takes to be like an NFL head coach or even an NFL coordinator. We can like guess or like imagine what it might be like, but I do think we are suffering having Freddie being the play caller when he's so fresh and so new to being a head coach. Cause if you think about what your mindset would be during a game week as an offensive coordinator, if that's your only job as an offensive coordinator, you're thinking about all of the different little scenarios that could play out. What you're going to do if this happens. What you're going to do if this happens. Okay. And I'm sure that Freddie and Todd Munkin are doing that. But so much of the mental reps that you take prepare you for the pressure situations that we're talking about in at the end of a game. Yeah. And when you're a head coach and it's your first game, I would guess that less of your free time where you're just thinking through some of those things and getting those mental reps are spent on the specific play calls like you would want your play caller to be thinking through. Potentially, but in recent years, we've seen first-year head coaches calling plays having success. I mean, we saw Doug Peterson come over and do it with the Eagles right away. We saw it with uh, Matt Nagy in in this game in Chicago. He's calling plays. I think Frank Reich is calling plays, too. And I don't know the answer to this, but did they have more experience calling plays than Freddie did coming into this Pot- year. Potentially. I would guess that I, most of them did. I don't given think that Freddie called eight games. No, I don't but think, think about Frank, Frank Reich. Does, but if they, I don't know that he's well, called Frank plays, Reich with he? the Colts, they started one <clears throat> and five last year and then one straight through through the rest of the season. They started terribly. And then they ended up getting it together and winning towards the end of the game. Whenever you start a new job, there's always a latency period where you are trying to figure everything out that you're doing. And obviously he was head coach for a very long time, but being head coach during the regular season, I think that there's going to be some growing pains. And not that I don't think Freddie Kitchens can do it, but he's not doing the job to the best of his ability right now. I don't think we give up on Freddie. I don't think we give up on him calling plays. People are already calling for that. I don't think that's the answer. Yeah. I think Freddie can still call the plays. Like It's been three games, right? But I, I do think that it's only going to get better. And I think the play calling was better in this game, on the whole. If you look at the game on the whole, the – we lost the game at the end because our play calls were crap when we were at first and goal from the five. That much is true. But on the whole, we had a lot more plays, a lot more quick hitting stuff over the middle. Some of those RPOs, like clearly Baker was getting into more of a rhythm in this game than we'd seen in the first two weeks. Well, 
the play calling wasn't great, but Baker also missed things. Like that throw to the back of the end zone for Demetrius Harris on that last <clears throat> possession. Jarvis was wide open on yeah. second, underneath. On second down. I think on it was second th- down. Second or third down. I think it was third down. Um, So we could have executed the plays that were called and still had a good result. Um, So I think it's it's a lot of different things kind of coming together here. We also got kind of unlucky. Like I feel like um, Schobert picks up that fumble and is is running down. I I feel like that's returned for a touchdown more often than not. Uh, Todd Gurley happened to be there. To, well, to make that tackle. I thought the down. Justin Burris one had and more I, of a was, chance to go well, all the I way. I was going to get there, too. Justin Burris picks that, heading towards the end zone in the proper direction. That has an opportunity to get returned or at least go for, for many more yards than it did. Instead, he Joe ran Schobert, straight into Joe Schobert. He, he's seeing open field. Joe Schobert pops up off the ground, from, and he happens to be right in the... Right in front of him. Like, that's just unlucky. It's just so unlucky. It's not anyone. It's not Joe Schobert's fault. Maybe it's Burris's fault. Yeah. That gets taken to the house. We're in business, boys. Yeah. It's a tie game with three minutes to go. Absolutely. And another factor that maybe is a little unlucky is it seemed like down the stretch in the fourth quarter, there was a few calls from the refs that did not go in our favor. Like... If they had called that pass interference on the field, how do you miss that? It it was so obvious. We were like on the far side of the field, up really high, and you could see quite obviously whenever it happened live that, that it was he early. got hit before the ball got there. It's crazy, and it, Freddie got asked about it specifically too, and he said he, that's what he was talking to the ref about, and the ref said that if. You know, it was shown to be pass interference. Then they'd be they'd be negating they'd be penalties, offsetting. But they he absolutely should have done it. I just think that we haven't seen many non pass interference calls get turned into pass interference. And so one part of his quote was the percentage of time we've seen something like that actually work out. It didn't seem to be enough to make it worthwhile at the moment. Is what that was his argument. I don't agree with it, but so that I, was don't, his argument. I don't. I don't agree. The with difference it. between second and nine, or second and like four and third and nine. No, it was the difference between second and nine and third and nine. Second and nine and third and nine. Because they declined the penalty. Oh, they did. Yeah. Um, I I just disagree. At that point in the game, um, you are risking a timeout if you do not get the reversal. That much is sure. But you're also running down towards the end of the game where your challenges don't matter because they're about to be moot inside two minutes. So either use it or don't. The only real factor here is do you value that timeout more than that the the chance that you lose that timeout more than that down and in that situation i don't think you do yeah no i agree i think the down's more important in that in that instance well so that penalty was super frustrating that non-call and then there was the unnecessary roughness on basically the ram's last drive was that on whitehead or burris it was on whitehead um it wasn't, was it wasn't. It wasn't on the on Jared Goff scramble where he got out there. Yeah, he was so being tackled. He was, was diving up. He was diving for the first down, yeah. and we dove in there and met him like parallel to the ground. He could, was probably down just like a second before, but he was diving for the first down. And it was right there. 
We stopped him in his tracks. But also, on that same play, a holding was called, a defensive holding. Yeah. And if that unnecessary roughness hadn't been called, that holding would have given them the automatic first down. Right. I went back and rewatched that. There was absolutely, it was a complete phantom call. There was no holding at all. Who did they call it on? Um, it was whoever was playing on the right side <coughs> over there. I'm not sure who it was. It was Burris or Carey or, um, on that play. But there was no holding at all. That would have been infuriating. And then, not to just harp on the refs being terrible. But, the but there one, were three big plays. But there were three big plays. And then also, whenever we got the ball back, after they kicked that field goal, we got the ball back and we returned it to about the 25 or something like that. And we got called for a block in the back. That was... I can understand why the refs saw it because number 20, whoever that was... Tavier had, Thomas. Tavier had his hand on the guy's back, like kind of like feeling him out. And so his arm was extended and then Tavier just overran the play and then dove and like flopped a little bit to reach no. out to get him. Okay. And he just couldn't, he just couldn't, he overran the play. He missed him. But Tavier Thomas's arm was extended. He didn't block him in the back. He was just kind of had his hand on him. Um, you're saying it, Tavier dove or the player dove? The player dove. Yeah, you said Tavier dove. And the player was going after the returner and just dove. And Tavier was there. But the way the guy dove, he flung his arms up like he had been pushed almost. It wasn't the case. And they threw the flag, and that cost us 15 yards, buried us back. We had the sack, and then we had to punt, like, way buried back in our own end zone. And we ended up getting the ball back because of the interception. But, I mean, it's things like that that just kill you at the end of a game. Just kill you. Yeah. All those happened in the fourth quarter. And And honestly. things you're trying to overcome in the worst possible time of the game. To overcome them. Honestly, I'm not going to lie, though. Also, the – um, illegal contact down the field by the Rams that negated a sack that they got on us. That That's was, kind of bull crap. That was a bull crap call too. I mean, I loved the automatic first down, but it was... Got lucky on that one. Yeah, definitely got lucky on that one. One thing that was different about this game than our previous games in the play calling at least is Nick Chubb. He ran the ball 23 times. It seemed like we were focusing more on the run game and he ran really, really well. He was just shy of 100 yards, right? Yeah, 96. 4.2 average, has had a long of 13 yards, but he caught that screen pass that went for about 31 on third down. Yeah. I'd like to see us break some more chunk runs. I feel like we haven't gotten any runs over 15 yards. I think if you're averaging over four yards a carry, you're feeling okay. That's solid. You want you would love to see more at get like past the second level, but... I'm pretty happy with it. I mean, it seems like a good mix. It's not like it's not like everyone is only going for five yards at but, the most. Like, but what we saw out of Nick Chubb like early last season is <clears throat> kind of these big explosive plays where we would get into the secondary, you know, and, and and bust a big run, and he would have like some of those Hugh Jackson <laughs> games. Well, Nick Chubb would have like five carries, a hundred yards. Well, and, that Oakland and, game I mean, in particular. That's not something that we could replicate every week. But but at the same time, to get some big chunk plays. But, I mean, you but at the same time, like you say that, but do you feel like he's leaving yards on the field? No, I don't. I don't think it's Nick Chubb's fault. I'm. I'm but honestly, I don't know if it's blocking downfield or if it's our wide receivers or on the edge or the who, what it is or the scheme. I mean, nobody's except for the Vikings. No one is like hitting home runs, running the ball. But you gotta love it if your long is thirteen and you're averaging four point two yards a carry. Yeah, I mean that you're getting significant yards on just about every time you run the ball. That's putting you in favorable positions to get the first down. 
I'm loving Chubb. I think he's doing great. And it seemed to me, I, I seem to notice at least, uh, that our successful runs were more were our draw plays more so than our straight handoffs. Yeah, we were really loving them. That's why we ran it on fourth down. <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> we probably should, to be yeah. honest. It was that was a pretty critical, pretty critical play. So going going into that play, that's I think there's like nine minutes left in the game. We're down by four at that point. We're at about our forty. Yeah, I think fourth and nine. A lot of us felt like we were just trying to draw them off. There, kind of similar to what we did last week against the Jets a couple times. Which even if we draw them off, we only get five yards. So it's not like we're getting the first. Yeah, down. but then it's a more reasonable field goal. Then you it's can a take more, a shot. It's potentially a field goal or potentially a go for it on fourth down situation at fourth and four. Um, you know, if if Nick Chubb breaks it for nine yards, and he gets the first down, it's genius. Um, I honestly didn't hate that we went for it. So last, if you go back to last week, we have had many of these situations where it was fourth down in a semi-reasonable, you know, around midfield, and we went up, tried to get the offsides, took the penalty for the delay of game, and then punted. So on tape, the Browns are known for, in that situation, that's how we're going to handle it. We're going to give Gillen the extra five yards to, to punt it, give him extra space. If we get the bonus five yards for the jumping off, that's gravy. That's awesome, right? So... The Rams know this already. I like that we indicated with the hard count that we were trying to do the same thing. And then as it got down and they let their hair down a little bit because we're just going to, you know, take the penalty, we actually snap it and try to, like, get the first down. I liked that aggressiveness to go for it. The The draw play just seems like it has hardly any chance. Like, even if somebody's lulled to sleep, and you try to run something up the middle, by the time they wake up, they're still going to get to him before before he gets nine yards. Yeah, it seems like it has such a, a, a narrow room, narrow band of success, right? Um, where if you, if you run a, a, a pass play where Baker would also have the option to run if, if he had to. On, I mean, on these fourth down situations, you, you see that where, I mean, you keep the play alive until, until it's absolutely dead. There's more opportunity to pick up those nine yards than with a slant. Just a draw play. Yeah, with a slant, just do a quick slant, get the I mean, wide receiver the ball. Just think about whoever's playing Od- manning up on Odell. Like if they're like a half step short, trying to like down. on the coverage, it's just makes a big difference. Anyways. So, so there was that play calling decision, and then there was when we were inside the five after the roughing the passer penalty on Aaron Donald, we got. Four downs, essentially, to get into the end zone on the five-yard line. We ran four straight passing plays. We, we chose – we had all three of our timeouts with about 40 seconds left to go, and we did not hand the ball to Nick Chubb once. And th- Well, I don't, I don't hate that that much. I just hate the lack of diversity in the type of calls. We had almost the same personnel out there in every single, in every single one of those. We didn't have any motion. Like, there was just nothing keeping the defense on their toes. At all, it, it was it was bad. Actually, three of those four formations were almost identical. Yeah, and I'm okay with that. I felt like the plays <laughs> were actually fairly diverse. Um, I mean, you had the one I believe it was second down, um, where as soon as it was snapped, the whole the whole play kind of ran to the right, like yes, like changed the pocket. 
if that works, it's beautiful. Like, if the defense isn't prepared to cover it, it's great. They were. And, All 22 and was, players were on the right side of the field on yeah, that play. Yeah, <laughs> no, it absolutely was. And then on that third and four play, Baker didn't see Jarvis, and he, he went to the back of the end zone for Demetrius Harris. Like, Jarvis was Jarvis open. was wide open. Which we've the, never missed in Joku more than when yeah. we had to throw up in the end zone to, to a tight end. Oh, gosh. So, to me, the play calling worked. It was fine. Um, I mean, you've got a running back averaging 4.2 yards per carry, and you only need five yards in four attempts. So, you could say maybe on the, some of the early downs, give it a shot. I mean, that, second, second and third down, it wouldn't have been the worst to, to run. I mean, that's my vote, too. I, there's no one I trust more than Nick Chubb when we're in that exact situation. I know we got these wide receivers. I know they're great, but Nick Chubb has been consistently producing. And, and I'd so much rather not having him flexed out as a wide receiver. I like the threat of running with him on those first plays. Even a like quick little play action or like a quick little RPO is, I think, going to be... That's how we scored the Demetrius Harris touchdown the first time. It was an RPO. Like, I don't think the defense was having to guess at all. The entire time we were on that five yard line at the end of the game. Isn't that the exact They situation? just played straight up and like it was so simple. Whenever the field's condensed like that, I feel like we made it easy on the defense. Isn't that the exact situation an RPO would be most effective? I think it's effective in many, many cases, and I think Baker Mayfield is most successful whenever he is but the linebacker points. is going to be so quick to try to fill the gap in a situation where the game is on the yeah. line and you have a threat to run the ball. Yeah. But when you run with an empty backfield, linebackers no are threat. just going to park in the freaking end zone. That's what happened on all four plays. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Hopefully, it's just growing pains. I think that the play calling was a big part of it. Um, I, From rewatching the game, I don't think – that Baker was as abysmal as I felt like he was watching the game live. His quarterback rating wasn't the best. Doesn't reflect that. <laughs> Doesn't reflect that. He uh, His QBR was a 28.9. Um, he went 18 for 36, 195 yards, one touchdown, one interception. We've got to get that. It doesn't sound good. That completion rate up. Like, we've been at, hovering at 50% all three games so far this year. Big problem. And that's just not going to cut it. It's clearly you've got to be it. you've got to be up sixty five seventy percent somewhere well, in there to be this, like an, a really effective offense. Isn't this Todd Munkin though? Like, isn't this Todd Munkin's influence where he's we're not trying to run high completion percentage passes. We're trying to get the ball down the field, go for these big plays or as often as possible, and it's making Baker uncomfortable. I don't know because he has to sit in the pocket so much longer. If he gets it out before two point five seconds. He's pretty effective. Yeah, I don't know, but you see these... I mean, Todd Monken runs an air raid-influenced scheme. That's his background. And you see these air raid quarterbacks, they're throwing good completion percentage. It's not 50% completion. Now, what was Jameis at last year? I mean, we got to be better than Jameis, and I don't think we are right now. No, yeah. it's, it's rough right now. I think it... Will be interesting to see what happens this next week um, against Baltimore because Baltimore's strength is in the back end of their defense versus the the front the front seven, 
And I think we suffered a bit at the end of this game because the front four in particular from the Rams was able to generate pressure and then they could just park everybody else back. And that's what made Baker Mayfield uncomfortable. And he had to exit the pocket a few times. And sometimes he did even when he didn't have to because he'd been conditioned to it so many times yeah, already. And on, and on that fourth down play at the end of the game, the, the pocket just collapsed from, from the left side. Yep. And Greg I, I think that play was designed actually to go to the left, but Baker was forced out to the right because I think it was Ebucam and somebody else were coming, screaming in there. Jameis Winston's completion percentage last year was 64.5%. Yeah. And so just so because far, they... Baker's at 56. Yeah. Baker's got to be better than Jameis. That, that, I will not stand. <laughs> that much I know. <laughs> will not stand for a world where Jameis outplays Baker. Um, all right. So we were at the game. Anything else you guys want to talk about about being there in Cleveland? Seeing the game from our vantage point up high? It was a lot of fun being in Cleveland for a night game. It was loud. And if you can't tell from my voice, I was, I was contributing to the loudness. Oh, my goodness. It was, it, was, it was really fun. I actually really look forward to watching the game back again. I haven't had a chance to today. But I do want to get a sense of how loud it was. Since we were up in the upper deck, you don't get the full, full effect. Yeah. What you see when you're there, what you experience when you're there, is the um, kind of the energy in the stadium, but also how these fans react to some of these players. <laughs> like, when Baker... When Baker does his like the the, the, drum, the drum beat drop on the Phil Collins, like people go freaking nuts. I'm not gonna lie, it was very hype. When when they announce Miles Garrett coming out of the tunnel, like people go freaking nuts. Like they love these guys. It doesn't matter if we're if we're one and two. Like there is still excitement around this team. Like. First of all, we're three games into a 16-game season. We're fine. Philadelphia Eagles are still one of the Super Bowl favorites, and they're also one and two. Like, calm down for a second. Like you said, with the, the Colts last year, they started one and five, one down the stretch. The Texans started 0-3 last year and then won, <laughs> like, nine straight games, ten straight games, something like that, including beating us, destroying us, middle of the week. There's yeah. time... Our schedule's a bit tough in these next three, four weeks. It'll level out. I think we need to just all take a little bit of step back, take a breath. Getting healthy is going to be a yeah. huge part of it. Yeah. Get, get healthy, gel as a team. Let's have a discussion about the direction of our team around like week eight. Yeah. So I, I haven't, I don't think I've mentioned this to you since we left the game. So I'm curious your thoughts, if you agree with this or not. You were commenting how crazy everybody went during some of those moments like pregame i was particularly struck by like the general ethos of the stadium during that last drive as we were about to score i don't think there was many people in that building that thought we were going to score it didn't feel like this tension like it's about to happen. Here we go. Here we go. Come on, come on, come on. They're it waiting for us to screw it, it up. It felt like, oh, no. They're going to... Oh, no. Oh, no. 
did was that just me and that I was projecting? I that think you're projecting a, your own fears and insecurities on everybody else. But did you? I think you're projecting your own fears and insecurities on everyone else. But I must confess, I had the same fears and insecurities. So it's likely to assume that a, a good a th- portion of the stadium, thousands of our close friends, felt the same way. I just. It seems like if everybody was expecting something to happen, there would be a lot more like electricity in the air at that time, and it just felt dead at that period of time. It was so quiet. Well, it's also so hard on a game-winning touchdown drive. Everybody's so excited, and you're also like, oh, I don't actually want to be super loud right now because we're trying to call the play. But there was none of that tension. It was just dead. I think everyone was just... I know I was like I just had nothing to say. I was just glued in, just like, yeah. It was ready to explode. Yeah, no, I was. I absolutely was. But I have to confess that yes, I I did not think we were gonna get into the end zone. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Once we got down to the five, I thought we were gonna get into the end zone. Oh, that's great. All right, so sixty-six percent of the stadium thought. Okay. We weren't going to do it. All right. Y'all got anything else? We got to go the to the lines. Yeah. All right. So Matthew's doing better than me and Mark. Told you. For now. So Mark and I are. Did you? Did you tell us? I think I tell you all the time whether I'm winning or losing. <laughs> Mark and I are only two and six on the year, which That's sucks. A gentleman's two and six. Uh, we both picked the Browns to cover this last week, which we were darn close to being right about, but that, alas, did did not happen. Uh, Matthew won both of his uh, picks this last week, so we're headed to week four. He is at five and three, so he's um, doing a good bit better than us, but that can change in a heartbeat. This week, Thursday night, is a dandy. The Eagles are heading to Green Bay to play the Packers, who are favored by four and a half points. Matthew, I'll let you make the pick first. Make it hard on you. Absolutely. Um, this is an interesting game. Probably the, the first really good Thursday night matchup we've had on the year. Um, the Eagles are in a tough spot with all their skill position injuries. And also the interior defensive line is, is beat up for them. They've got depth there, but they've lost some big-time players. Oh, yeah. um, Green Bay is 3-0. and Looking a little rocky. I think this will be their first like really big test. Um, but I like what Matt LaFleur is doing with his offense. Um, that Green Bay defense is killer now. I don't think Philly has the horses on offense if Deshaun Jackson um, and Alshon Jeffrey can't go. They become way too reliant on a guy like Nelson Aguilar, who is up and down, inconsistent. So yeah. I'm going to take Green Bay. <laughs> At home. What are you laughing about? Did you guys see that story about this person in Philadelphia who was a hero, saved a bunch of people from a fire, right? So there was this fire on this second-story building, and someone started tossing children out the window so that they could be saved from the fire. Uh-huh. And this man caught multiple children and saved their lives. Okay. And directly after the fire, a reporter came up to him and was like talking to him, like, you're a hero, man. And he's like, well, people were tossing children. I caught him because I'm not Nelson Aguilar. And <laughs> <laughs> he's in the middle of like his moment to shine and he throws and shade he at Nelson Aguilar. Nelson Aguilar. <laughs> I 
I think I saw that Alshon Jeffrey invited that guy to the to the to the game. How funny is that? I love it so much. Uh, it, that the Eagles and Nelson Aguilar were so top of mind that it came out in that moment. That's so funny. Welcome to Philly. What a bro. Oh man. All right. So your pick: Philly at Green Bay. Green Bay favored by four and a half. Um. So. I've decided that this is my model that I'm going to make these picks as. I'm going to make these picks like I'm just picking quarterbacks. Because more often than not in the NFL, the better quarterback ends up winning the game regardless of all other situations. And I like Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback every single time over anybody that he's playing. And I think certainly over Carson Wentz earlier in his career. Maybe Carson Wentz can get to that point. Um but I'm going to go Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay, more than five points. Uh, they're going to win the game. They're 3-0. Philly has shown really – they've been up and down all season. Um, they've come out on top more than more than not, but they've shown some terrible halves um, like they did against these Redskins in the first half of week one. Um, I'm not sure what to really expect from Philly. And Green Bay's look solid on defense as well. So to me, this game, I think I lean towards Green Bay winning. If I'm just like doing a pick 'em, um, I would go Green Bay. But four and a half points is a lot to me. And the Eagles are desperate. They need this win. They're one and two. We already mentioned it. And they've got the experience. They have enough talent left over to definitely win. Hopefully, they'll have a couple of those guys back. I don't know that they're going to win, but I definitely like them to cover in this particular game. So I'll go with the Eagles. Um, moving on to Sunday night, the Dallas Cowboys, also 3-0, and playing some good football, those Dallas Cowboys, are favored by three points heading to New Orleans to face Teddy Bridgewater and Alvin Kamara. Um, Matthew, we'll let you keep picking first. Woo! Big dog. All right. So Dallas is 3-0. Um, they've been crushing teams, one of which was the Dolphins this week. Um, New Orleans is in a tough spot without Drew Brees, but the Superdome is probably the toughest place to play on the road. Um, I think Sean Payton and New Orleans have something special just at home. Like, they find a way. They went on the road and beat Seattle this week, which is impressive. Um, I think this is kind of a trap game for Dallas a little bit, thinking that they are maybe a little big for their britches at this point. I'm going to take New Orleans. Okay, Mark. Um, I think that the only reason you would take New Orleans is because of Sean Payton. And I think that's fair because I think Sean Payton's a great coach. But without Drew Brees, I think that's a significant handicap. Teddy Bridgewater is nowhere close to being Drew Brees. Um, I like Taysom Hill. I like what they can do. But ultimately, the Cowboys have been absolutely throttling people this year. Dak Prescott's had the year of his entire career. He's already got almost 1,000 yards nine touchdowns, two interceptions. Like, Dak Prescott is playing really, really high quality. Sticking with my model, sticking with the formula, Dak Prescott. I've got the Cowboys. All right. And the Browns game, this line is ridiculous to me. Everyone is fully drinking the Baltimore Ravens Kool-Aid, even after they lost to the Chiefs and looked mortal. We are heading to Baltimore on Sunday. And the Ravens are favored by seven points. Like, their defense isn't that good. Their defense is fine, but they're not phenomenal. And look at some of those throws Lamar made 
That's what I was going to say. At, at the down that stretch, like the Willie Sneed one all the way across the field, across the body, that's picked off 95% of the time in the NFL. He was missing, and Willie Sneed, Sneed made a good play. Missing guys by 10 yards consistently. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll go ahead and make this one first. I think we're probably going to be fairly unanimous on this one. But better be. seven points is a heck of a lot. I think we have a g- great chance to win this game. So there's no way I can pick the Ravens. Um, that's Browns all the way. Yeah, we're not. If we lose, it's not going to be by seven. Go I, Browns. I hope not. All right, three for three, taking the Browns over the Ravens. But according to your model, is Baker Mayfield a better quarterback to bet on right now? Four games in to three games in in the 2019 season. No, then it's not right now. Aaron Rodgers has a three interception game with no touchdowns. I'm still taking him over Carson Wentz. It's not right now. It's about who they are as a whole, and Baker Mayfield's a better quarterback than Lamar Jackson. All right. Here we go. Um, all right. Should be exciting. If we win this game this weekend, we will be atop the division, sitting at number one in the AFC North. Um, so all hope is not lost. Every single team in the AFC North lost this week, and so we didn't lose any ground. That's great. All we need is to win the AFC North. That's nope. all I care about. And we've got Pittsburgh-Cincinnati on Monday night. Yes, so one of those teams do. is going to get off the schneid, get their first win. <laughs> one of those teams is going to be winless. 0-4. Oh I hope four. it's Pittsburgh so I hope badly. it's Pittsburgh, too. <laughs> all right. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Uh, be sure you guys get up to Cleveland and go see your Browns game. Cheer at the top of your lungs like Baker Mayfield wants you to do. Um, be sure to follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, at Sin of Our Fathers. Send us an email, tell us what you think about the show. Like us, rate us five stars, share the podcast with a friend. Uh, leave a comment about the podcast and rate us five stars. That really helps us get seen by more and more people um, so we get a new awesome sponsor like Harry's or venus or you know any of those awesome shave clubs um shouts to any new listeners we might have uh, converted during our time in cleveland we passed out a handful of stickers appreciate you have a good one go browns go browns